The Binding of Isaac is one of the strangest stories in all of the Bible, where God comes to a man called Abraham and instructs him to offer up his son as a burnt offering. How could there be anything good that comes from such an instruction? And what kind of a God would instruct such a thing? In this teaching, we're going to look into the amazing teaching behind all of this. And we're going to be pondering the concept of an offering, because as we look at what an offering is, we start discovering how serious are we really about God and his kingdom? You know, we could say, oh, God is the most important thing. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. And while we could speak that with our mouth, whether we truly believe that will come down to whether we truly trust God and whether we truly have faith in him when things get difficult and when our faith is tested. The story starts with God coming to Abraham and telling him what to do. And he says in Genesis 22, verse two, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Well, hold up a second. I mean, God comes to him, tells him, oh, go, go offer your son. And, and Abraham doesn't even seem to think twice. He doesn't even blink, it seems, at what God is telling him to do. Isn't this just strange? But see, if you have been keeping up with our teachings on the Torah portions, you know, last week we talked about how Abraham and Sarah, they try to trust in themselves and they didn't trust in God and things didn't go well. They didn't trust that God could bring about this child of promise who is now Isaac, the child in question. So God, Abraham at this point has journeyed with God and he knows God's character. He understands God, that God has started to bring about this promise because Isaac was born through a miracle that Sarah was able to have him at her old age. And Abraham believes, wow, God brought him forth through a miracle. There is a promise on his life that there will be a great offspring of righteousness that comes through his line. It doesn't make sense for God to now come and tell me, okay, now we're just going to kill him. Now it's just going to end here. Did God do all of this? Did God bring us thus far just to have us die in the wilderness? Did God bring us all this way to forsake us? And doesn't this just sound like Israel when they were at the Red Sea? Oh, have you brought us out here all this way, brought all these miracles and plagues upon Egypt, and you've led us free from the slavery where we're in, and now we're in front of this sea, and now we're just going to die right here. Isn't that what's going to happen, Moses? 
See, God comes and he shows up and he gives you reason to believe and know and trust him and to see how good he is, see his character. And then once he has shown himself, revealed himself to you kindly and approached you like a father approaches a child, then as your relationship with him grows, he's going to take you to a place where you're going to now need to start trusting him. And he's going to start asking you to do things that are are more difficult to grasp and understand because your mind, you don't see God's plans. You don't see the big picture. And Abraham came to this realization that I have seen him prove me wrong before when I thought that God is up to, I don't know what he's doing. And I didn't trust him back there, but he proved me wrong that he knew what he was doing and his miracles are have no boundary and he can do what he needs to do to make his promises come to pass. No matter how strange it seems, no matter how weird the journey looks, I will trust him. I will have faith in him. That's what true faith and true trust is. So if if your faith is the most important thing to your life, like we started this teaching out saying, if it was as important to you as it was to Abraham, you will respond as Abraham responded. When you are faced with uncertainty of why God has brought you to this place, why he has instructed you to do this thing. Are you going to trust him even if it makes no sense? But see, as Abraham takes his son Isaac and they're on the way to the place where he is going to do this offering, something really interesting happens. Isaac, Abraham's son, asks the million dollar question. And he says in Genesis 22, verse 7, Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Isaac's question is actually very profound because it teaches us about God. You see, Isaac is asking, where's the offering? What are we going to do? And Abraham says, God will provide an offering for himself. But I mean, think about that. that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, we are showing up and we are here now. Our plan is to make a sacrifice to God. In other words, we're, we're giving something up of our own. That's what we think about, right? We're going to give something up. We value to him to praise him. That's the, the objective of a sacrifice. But yet now they're there and Abraham says, but God provides the offering. It's like if if I gave you a gift, all right, and you you receive this gift, it's, it's valuable. And you're like, wow, thank you. And then you go home and you you wrap that gift up with new wrapping paper and you come in the next day, you you just give it back to me and you say, this is my offering to you. You know, we would think that's strange. We, we would even argue that that is not a huge offering because, well, that offering that that person is giving back was only given to him 
by the same person he's making the offering to. But that's how it is with the Father. Because see, the Bible teaches us that everything comes from Him. Every offering that you can make God has come from God. Every, if you, whether you're giving a part of your, you're giving your life to Him, well, you, He has given you life. Whether you make an offering of finance to Him, well, He has given you finance and prosperity and the ability to work. He has given you all opportunity. And if you even, you see now Abraham is thinking this way. And if he's asking me to give me him my son, but he gave me my son in the first place. My son was never really fully mine because it was only ever a gift. And it's so much so for Abraham because he knows Isaac was born from a miracle from God, a promise of God through Sarah. And God promised it. He prophesied it would happen. And it did. And so Abraham is, is seeing Isaac, giving Isaac to God as well. This is hard, this idea. But I am only giving to God what he has given me. And then you start realizing that his sacrifice is our sacrifice because God gave us his son, Yeshua, as a sacrifice to atone for our sins. And what does he ask in return? He asks for us to crucify our lives and ourselves to live for him. As he makes a sacrifice towards us, giving his only begotten son for us, he asks us to, in return, make that sacrifice of our lives. So considering all of this and where our lives and everything we have comes from, from the father, is it not evil of a man to withhold his own life from God and his kingdom? to live out his life for himself, not considering God or his kingdom. If God gave him that very life. And is it not evil of a man to glean from God's kingdom, to to grow from God's kingdom, but yet not, not to give back to God's kingdom? We read in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In 1 Corinthians 6, we read that you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. It's not your life to live for just yourself. Because he has given you all things, including salvation, from saving yourself from yourself, from your own sins, from your evil desires and temptations. And then we, when we think about all of this and how God has done so much and given us so much, we start understanding more about like how Abraham himself gave this tenth to Melchizedek. After God delivered him, he came and he made an offering back into God's kingdom by making this gift to Melchizedek as Thanks to God, because he see Abraham understood this, this tenth, this tithe I'm giving. It's it's actually not even mine to begin with. 
It's what he has given me. In fact, he is giving it because God delivered him from his enemies, because God has brought him freedom. And so he realizes that if God never brought him freedom, he would never even have had anything to give in the first place. How much more is it worthy of giving God an offering and building his kingdom with whatever offering we can bring him? James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He says that he brought us forth with the purpose so that we can be the first fruits among his creatures. First fruits refers to an offering of first fruits. The first fruit offering was when in the new season, the first fruits harvested that is offered to God as thanks to him because it is understood that he provided that produce. And so he's saying you were created for as a first fruit. Your purpose is to be that first fruit offering to God as you being the first fruit among all his creatures, you being the highest among everything he created in that we in the animal kingdom, like we are his prime creation. We're called to rule the earth. And when we look at all of this now, and if you consider that everything you have is given from above, we have to ask ourselves this question. How much of our output, the output of your life, goes into his kingdom. And, and I'm not just procedures. I'm not just talking about I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about how much of what you do in life of how, what you how you decide to go here or there, how you decide to spend your days, how you decide anything you decide, how much of your life's output. And and when you go and you work, who do you work for? Do you work as unto God as your prime reason? Because I want to build his kingdom or is there some other reason there? Oh, when you raise a family, is it because I want to raise a family who praises God? Or is there some other reason there? When you go and you 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 buy a car, do you buy the car because I, I want to use this somehow to build his kingdom? And when you buy a house, is it because I want to build his kingdom somehow? When whatever you do in life for from what he has given you, do you use it? ultimately with the purpose of hoping to build his kingdom first and foremostly. Abraham was one of these people who believed God, who, who, who made it his life's purpose to follow God with and have his output to praise God and everything he did. And but consider this, like Abraham lived in a time that was before the resurrection of Christ. And we live in a, a time you were born into a time post Christ's resurrection. Abraham didn't even have a resurrection to inspire faith in him that he could believe in. Yet you do. 
And how could it be that a man like Abraham, who didn't have that example that we do, have, he could have so much faith. But when it comes to us, what does that mean for us? That does not mean that we ought to have so much more because you say, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that that God did that miracle. I believe he raised Lazarus. I believe that Yeshua did all these mighty works. I believe in all these miracles in the Bible. I have it all written in the Bible that's in my on my bookshelf. I believe it. But if you really believe it, how can you then in the same breath wonder? I don't know if I could trust God of this thing. I don't know. I'm really worried about this thing. Is God really going to come through? What you're saying is, I want to ask you, like, how much do you really believe in that resurrection that you're talking about? If you in the same breath worry about tomorrow and whether God can handle it. Worry about this or that thing happening in your life, this or that trial. You say you believe in a resurrection so much bigger of a miracle than just about anything else. But yet when it comes to your life, you struggle to believe what kind of a faith is that? Brothers and sisters, I want us to really consider how much faith do we put in the world and, and ourselves and our plans and our ideas and all our workings. And how much faith do we believe just put in him? Just like God, you, I, I can't sort anything out on my own. I can't figure anything out. You have to do everything. And if you believe him for who he is, that he is the God of wonders, then there is nothing impossible for him. There is nothing impossible for him. So if God came to you today and he asked you to offer your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, would you go ahead like Abraham did? I mean, Abraham had to ponder this question in his heart when he was faced with it and he decided to go forth. Why? How how could he do such a thing? Because he knew the character of God and he trusted God's goodness. He had discovered that God is good all the time, even when it doesn't make sense. And we read in Genesis eighteen twenty five how Abraham spoke and says, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fear is the wicked for be that from you shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. At Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham asked God and he believed that God would not put to death the good and the evil together for the sins of the evil. And Abraham was right. God didn't. And he say God saved Lot. But ultimately, will you trust God's goodness even when things don't make sense? Even when this question of will you make this offering to me that costs you so much, will you still trust God's goodness? Because ultimately, Yeshua was given for us. God gave in some ways, everything by giving his son up. He gave Yeshua up for us. He gave everything for us. And could we not spare everything for him? Whatever that thing is that we value so much. And so as Abraham goes and he lays Isaac 
on the wood and he's about to kill him as he lifts up the knife. God stops Abraham. And he says in Genesis 22, 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Many have argued that Abraham knew that this would happen, that God would stop him from killing his son. But this is not true. Abraham did know that what would happen would be good, would be God's will, and that Isaac will be the child of promise and through him there will be a line. So he knew that God would do something amazing. Abraham likely believed that Isaac would be resurrected. We know this because the writer of Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews 11 verse 18, we read, Of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The test was real. Abraham did not know God was about to stop his knife, but he did know that God would work all things out and Isaac would be saved. But what is the point of all of this past simply testing Abraham? There is a much deeper and there's a beautiful picture hidden beneath the surface. This all is to place ourselves in Abraham's shoes. To think about what it would be like and whether we would do it. Because ultimately, Isaac and Abraham is an amazing picture of Yeshua, Jesus and the father. For example, both Isaac and Jesus were born miraculously. Isaac was born through a miracle through Sarah and Jesus through a Virgin Mary. Both Isaac and Yeshua carried the wood up to the offering site. In both examples, the father also leads the son and the son follows obediently to his own death. Isaac obediently followed Abraham and Yeshua obediently followed the father. And then finally, number four, a ram was ultimately there to take Isaac's place. A picture of how Yeshua takes humanity's place. This picture of Isaac and Yeshua is given to us to teach us more about how great Jesus's sacrifice actually was. In fact, it was so much greater than what is even simply portrayed in the picture of Isaac. You see, Abraham went up to offer Isaac because he trusted God. He knew that God is good and God has a promise to fulfill and God's not going to let him down. I mean, think about it. If Abraham didn't trust God, he wouldn't have gone up to offer Isaac in the first place. But while Abraham's motivation was built on trusting God, God's motivation for offering his son, Yeshua, was very different. God could not trust humanity with the offering. In fact, 
while Yeshua died for the world, many in the world, even to this day, despise and reject and trample underfoot that offering. God could not die simply because he trusted humanity, because humanity cannot be trusted with Yeshua's holy offering. Instead, God's motivation is pure love. Even though he knows humanity, many of them would even to their own death trample underfoot the sun. He still dies for their sins. He does it because father forgive them. They don't know what they do. He loves them. And because it is from this pure love and this plan that he has of saving the world, his sacrifice is so much greater than any sacrifice any man has ever done. Any sacrifice me or you can or will ever do. Because any offering and any sacrifice that we ever have made and will make is because we appreciate something God has done for us because we want to give back into his kingdom, because we want to give back to God. We want to praise God. We want to thank God or whether that's doing the same for another person, making an offering, making a sacrifice, giving a gift to someone else. But God is telling us, look, I want your means of offering to mainly be because of love. Your motivation must be love, not just because you trust someone, not just because you trust them with it. But a true sacrifice is when you give something up, even to someone who you don't know, who you cannot trust, even to an enemy. See, Yeshua came and his groundbreaking teaching was don't just love those who love you back, but love an enemy. Give up, make sacrifices even for an enemy, for that is you showing them the true love of God. That is them seeing who love, who, who God really is and what his love really is like. If you only make sacrifices in your life for those who love you back, what's special about that? And if you only make sacrifices in your life for those whom you trust deeply, what's special about that? Even the world cares for itself. In the world, people do things for one another because they trust that that person won't betray them or they do something for someone else because they believe that that relationship will benefit them. There's always something to gain when the world is up to something good. But God calls us to a more radical place of worship that is giving back to him. Amen. But it's also now living that love out he lived towards us, giving to us when we didn't deserve anything, when he couldn't even trust us with it. Now he calls us to do that, to live out our living sacrifice for the world, to give up and make sacrifices for the poor, the lowly of heart and the meek of the earth. Even if you could argue somehow they don't deserve it. If you could argue that you can't trust them, you could argue that... Oh, you know, brothers and sisters, it just brings to mind how we often would say, oh, I, I can't give money to the poor because that, that man, how do I know he's going to use the money exactly the way that I want him to use it? Oh, uh, I can't trust. I can't help someone here because, because how do I know they're not going to just abuse? And 
But see, Yeshua gave regardless because it's in the giving. When that person understands, you don't know me. You don't. You you can't trust me. You, you know I'm not. A, I'm not. A, you don't even know if I'm a good person. But if we give with, and then even through that, they see our love. They see. Well, I've done you wrong, but why do you still love? Why do you still give to me? And that's the changing love that changes the hearts of men. When you love an enemy, when you love someone who doesn't love you back, when there is no profit in it for you. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to consider your life today. Consider where you are with the father, your relationship with him. How real is that relationship really? Because all of this will point to how real it is. Because Yeshua at the peak of his love, his worship unto his father was sacrifice. And that's the peak of our worship to him. Sacrifice, giving something up. And so if there is something that he has given you, praise him with it and give back for him in whichever way he leads your heart. Go to him and ask him, what does that look like? And let him lead you in how what that looks like, how you can give back to him and back into his kingdom. So, Father, I thank you for all that you have given us. I thank you that you bless us with everything we have and we have the ability to even give something that's only because of you. And we praise you. Help us to believe and trust you like Abraham did. Father, help us to walk in faith. Help us to look to all that you've done for us before and look to the future trials with the faith of what you have done in the past. Father, I pray for all watching or facing trials. Oh, I thank you that you give them hope and you would comfort them with your spirit and that you let them ha- look at these mountains from your perspective. Lord, you are high and mighty above and there is nothing above you. There is nothing too big for you. Help us to see the world you do. Lord, I thank you for all you do for us. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. If this teaching has blessed you, please know that it has only been made possible by men and women of God who have chosen to sow into this ministry. Please know everything we do is for free, but it's only possible through your support. If this has blessed you, consider partnering with the ministry by visiting riseonfire.com.